to Totalus Rankium. This week, Round Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. This is round five. Round V. I apologise, Jamie, for giving me the look. The second to last, the penultimate <gasps> yes. round. It's a tough one. Ooh. But before we look at that, what we got, Rob? We're having a brief look yeah. at Tempo Completer. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, only a brief look, because no. obviously there's not much to say about this. No. No. But which which dynasty do you think lasted the longest? Severan or Julio-Claudian? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry. I tried. At Severan, not very long at all, actually. Oh, okay. An average of 7.4 years. That's rubbish. That is rubbish. I've managed to live longer than that several times over. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not very good. Although Julio Claudian, to be fair, is second place and only just. It was very close. Okay. The longest is the Theodosian dynasty. Okay. Eighteen point one years. Mm. And the Julio Claudians, eighteen years. Alright. So very close between those mm. two. Third place is the Nerva Antonines. On fourteen point eight, it's mainly Nerva bringing that down. Which is a shame. Idiot. What an idiot. Then we have just behind them the Tetrarchic Wars on fourteen point seven years. And then the Valentinians on 14.5. Yay. Yay, so there you go. Mm. That's a fact for you. Brilliant. Good fact. Just in case you need to whip it out at a party. Way. And then you need something to distract everyone after they're so horrified <laughs> that you quickly have to tell them a small fact. <laughs> Try and like clear the air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Being cheeky today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Right, okay, so who... Who's bottom of this round, do you think? Who ruled for the least amount of time? He's in there, yeah. He must be the bottom, though, because he ruled for, like, a day or something. <laughs> uh, you're misremembering slightly, but not quite. I'll explain why. First of all, joint fifth is Otho, a Jenny Cesar winner, and Petronius. Both ruled for three months. It's hard to tell exactly who ruled the least, because Otho was three months and one day, and we don't know about Petronius, we just know it was roughly three months. Okay. So I'll put them joint fifth. All right. Fourth place, good old Julianus. <laughs> also technically a Genesis our winner. <laughs> yeah, what a technicality. Um, <laughs> he got two months and four days into his job. Two months and four whole days? Yes. Wow. Before the old severance pay kicked in. Oh. Be just a sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, in third place, and here he is, Quintilus, with roughly a month. But we don't really know. Some sources say as little as 17 days. Some sources say as many as 100-odd days. Um, We simply don't know, so I just said it was probably about a month. So um, that's why he's in third. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Second place, Gordian 1. Oh, yes. Lasting 21 days, three weeks... Just a bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's when you have yeah. to when when you when you're able to count their reign in day in hours. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not good, a good sign, is it? It's not great, no. So then, finally, who's in first place? Three, Gordian, two or three. Yes, it's Gordian two. <laughs> his son also ruled three weeks, but um, it would appear he died earlier on that day. <laughs> so technically, so twenty days and six hours. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So um, there you go. That's our bottom five. 
I mean, you could put them all together and uh, have a short nap, and you'd still miss their brains. That's true. It's less than half a year with all of them put together. Oh, no, not quite. It's, it's not far off, though. Well, remember, really? Guardian 1 and 2 Six joined at the same time, so... Yeah. Yeah. Embarrassing. That's shocking. Yes, it is. But who's top? It's not Augustus. It's not Augustus. It's somebody that reigned for that little bit. Is it Theodosius? No. Then I don't know. <laughs> Being slightly mean there, it's Theodosius too. Oh! <laughs> well, to be fair, they are different people, so... They are, they are, but they share a name. It'd be like me so, doing a podcast with someone else called Rob. You don't do that, though, do you? Um, no. That, that's all right. That's okay. Catch some Viking ranking, I'm been. <laughs> Ranking all the Vikings. <laughs> that would be fun. If only someone else had already thought to do something like that. What, a Viking podcast? Yeah. No, like, ranking different that. things. <laughs> Just anything. Yeah. yeah. Sagas. Books. They had a lot of sagas, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Could do that. That'd I could make a podcast on that. Like, you could. Saga something. Saga. <laughs> saga story. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, 10th place. I'm doing a top 10. Oh, 10! Because we've got <gasps> numbers. Oh, well, you can write the top 5. I'll just tell you the top 10. All right. Hadrian, in 10th place, 21 years. No, no, that's not bad. Not bad. Tiberius, 9th, 22 years, 6 months and 28 days. Nice. 8th place, Antoninus Pius. Yep. 22 years, 7 months and 25 days. Hmm. Constantius, 2. Then comes up in 7th place with 24 years, 11 months and 20 days. Nice. Then Arcadius... 25 utterly pointless years plus four months. <laughs> then Valentinian three, 29 pointless years, seven months and 22 days. Now in fourth place, Honorius, 30 whole years of doing That's nothing. insane. Yeah, well, the last three have just been pointless, but they hung around forever. Then our top three, Constantine the Great, 30 years, 10 months and 27 days. Very impressive. And then it leaps up to Augustus, which we've said for the purpose of this podcast is 40 years, just because the start date's hard to really pin down. Yeah. Um, and it just made scoring a lot easier because it's all based on him. But if we're being more traditional, it's actually 41 years, seven months, and three days. So we're, by tradition, I mean correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's tradition, and then there's us. What other things have you made up, Rob? This whole podcast. Were there even Roman emperors? Is Rome a place? <laughs> sort of. It's near Swansea. And finally, as we've already mentioned, Theodosius II is actually our winner here with 42 years, two months and 27 days, if you're being mean to him, because that's when he ruled alone. You could actually have gone for a higher number than that. But... The point is, he wins. Yeah. He's our number one. So there you go. Why didn't Theodosius too for running the longest? And that's it. That's all we need to know for Tempo yeah. Completo. Now we're on to... Round B! So, here we are. Big group. We have Constantine the Great. Oh. We have Gallienus. We have Trajan. And we have Vespasian. Oh, my goodness. Big names. Second highest scoring round in terms of average points. They scored on average 42.14, this lot did. Wow. Which is very impressive. Our top scorer in the round is Constantine the Great on 51.88. He came second overall. Yeah. Only one of two to reach the 50s club. Yeah. Very impressive. Then second place in this round is Trajan, 44.63. He came seventh overall. Only just missed being a seeded player himself. Mm. Then we have Vespasian, 43.19. He came ninth overall. Then really bringing up the rear in this group is Gallienus. 
on only 28.88, coming 31st overall. Rank outsider there. Yeah. Constantine! He was born in around 273, as many people were. He spent most of his youth with his mother, as his father was away fighting most of the time, as we've already covered in his synopsis. Hmm. And then his father divorced his mother so he could marry into the Tetrarchy. Yes. Remember, dumped that barmaid that no one ever heard of ever again. <laughs> Decided to marry into the royal family. That's fair enough. Yeah, we don't really know what Constantine thought about this. Um, Mummy. Judging on his potential anger problems later on in life. <laughs> maybe he didn't take this too well. Maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? We no. just don't know. Around this time, Diocletian takes Constantine, little Constantine, to Nicomedia with him so he could learn the ropes. Went into a room and went, Constantine, here are some ropes. This is a long one. This is a short one. And here we have a middle-sized rope. Okay, sir. I'll learn them. Head home, good boy. Yes, well, no, he wasn't just learning those ropes. Diocletian was also making sure that Constantius was uh, kept on the straight and narrow, shall we say. Yes, I happen to have your son, Constantius, just in case something should go awry. (laughs) Yeah, little Constantine would learn those ropes really, really well. Yes. So, when in Nicomedia, Constantine met a lady called Minervina. Probably married her, we're not really sure. Might have been his mistress. Either way, they have a child, a boy called Crispus. Is this the one we had, Minervina? Yeah, 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 that's that one. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, you remember what happens to Crispus in the end. Dead. (laughs) Brief synopsis. (laughs) But uh, on the money, I'd say. Yeah. So, when Diocletian dies, Constantine finds himself under the protection of Galerius, a man who hated him and his father. And this is when he waited till Galerius was drunk and escaped a daring escape by maiming all of the horses (laughs) near him and then running away on the only horse that could still move. That's quite clever. It is clever. Just brutal. Poor horses. He hamstringed them all. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I mean, of course, this story's probably not true, but it's the one that got passed down. It's more than likely he just left with a retinue and they so slowly made their way to Constantius. <laughs> but that's a boring story. Walked Let's out, say. Walked out the gate whistling nonchalantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feeding sugar lumps to passing horses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but no, that's a boring story. No, screw that. No, he literally. Went in, slashed the legs of every horse he saw. There's one horse hiding in a corner, shaking, and just as Constantine's at the door of the stable, horse thinks he's got away with it. Constantine turns, throws the knife through the dark barn, and it just hits the horse in the eye. Horse falls down dead, and then he walks away whistling. That's what happened. Oh, poor poor Osler as well, thinking, oh, it's my my prize-winning horse. I've been breeding him for years. He's a racehorse, Won all these medals and yeah. rosettes. Gigi's gone. Gigi's gone, man. So we yeah, get terrible that. dental decay from all the sugar lumps I was feeding, but I loved him. <laughs> so there you go. That happened. Definitely. He turns up in his father's camp to say, I'm here. I'm here to learn some new ropes. I learned all the old ones. Nylon. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, Constantius soon dies afterwards after they fight the pigs for a while in Britain. 
He ends up with a picked axe in his head. Hey! Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> On Constantius' deathbed, Constantius announced that his son should be emperor. Constantine agreed with this, mm. so he wrote to Galerius, informing him that he was now Augustus, not Caesar, but Augustus. And just in case Galerius didn't get the hint, he also sent him a full-sized portrait of him wearing the garb of an Augustus. Nice. Which, uh, <laughs> nice and subtle. Big arrow, this is me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Galerius, furious, compromised by letting Constantine become Caesar. Constantine then spends a while settling Gaul and Britain. And now we hit the start of the war. So just to remind you where everyone is in this very hectic time, some names will come flooding back here. Diocletian is yes. in his... <laughs> yes, you do. He's in his retirement villa, tending yep. his cabbages. Maxentius is in Rome. He yep. just revolted. He's willing to use force to get into the Tetrarchy. He has no allegiance to anyone. Maximian, his father's also in Rome, come out of retirement thinking he can get back to leading the Tetrarchy. Him and his son have a shaky alliance at this time. Galerius is in Nicomedia, ruling the Tetrarchy. He wants Dyer, Severus, and Licinius to make up the rest of the Tetrarchy with him, and he wants Constantine, Maxentius, and Maximian to die. Dyer's in the East, with his crazy eyes, currently happy and loyal to his uncle Galerius, but soon becomes very angry and unpredictable. Severus is in Milan, loyal to Galerius, trying to get to grips with his new army. His new army is Maxentius' old army, uh, which is not going to go down too well. Do you think it's like riding roller skates for the first time, like trying to get a handle of your army? It's a bit like that, yeah. One foot in one direction. End up flat on your back. Yeah, or on your face. Yes. With a sword in your throat. (laughs) Yeah, that happens to me when I try and skate. Yeah. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be skating with knives. No, (laughs) it was a silly move. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much everyone apart from Licinius. He's travelling to Rome to negotiate with Maximian and Maxentius. He's going to (laughs) fail. Yeah, so that's what everyone's doing. This is the year where everyone involved in the Tetrarchy is still alive and still oh, yeah. moving around. It may have an overlap of one year where everyone's a player. Wow, that was like the golden age. Of Tetrarchy, <laughs> yeah. Constantine decides to stay out of the fighting that starts up between Maxentius and Maximian on one side and Galerius and Severus on the other. What he does, though, is he cuts a deal with Maximian that he would stay out of things and in return he would be recognised as Augustus. So hooray, back to Augustus again. He's also going to marry Maximian's daughter. Hooray, married into the Tetrarchy. The two Maxes defeat Severus and Galerius, but then they fall out and Maximian goes to his foe, Galerius, knocking on the door, asking to come in. This is when Diocletian comes out of retirement. Constantine is told, you are a Caesar again. Oh, back down to Caesar. Then Maximian turns up. Maximian's now his father-in-law and Mm. wants a place to stay. So he stays for a while, but then tries to usurp. So Constantine has him killed. Yeah. It was suicide, honest, he said to his wife. Do you think she's just looking at the body and going, but the knife's in his back. How could he possibly... And he's fallen forward. I don't understand. Take her away. (laughs) Soon after this, Galerius dies horribly with all the worms. Constantine then decides it's time to go for it. Maxentius was in Italy, Licinius is weak and in the Danube, and Dyer is strong, but way, way in the east. Despite this, it's not a great time to attack Maxentius. Maxentius has dug in. He's fought off two invasions recently. It would be better all round to wait for Maxentius to come to him, says his advisers. But Constantine does not heed this advice, marches into Italy, like a brave man. Or just, just walking. All the signs that say, do not enter. He just walks right past them. <laughs> yeah. Well, please stay on the left. Yeah. He ignores that. He's on the right. Oh, he's well on the right. Yeah, he, he's just marching in, 
complete disregard to what is sensible to do. Maxentius is caught off guard here, he wasn't expecting it, and is unable to stop Constantine or slow him down. So he decides to fight in the fields outside Rome, and this is a foolish mistake. He should have stayed in Rome and had a siege. But he found he had to leave, and he lined his troops up too close to the river. <laughs> they all drowned, wasn't they? Yes, Constantine manages to push them back slightly, but slightly is all he needed to do. They all start to drown and then flee across the one bridge. Oh yeah, I remember this. This does not go well. This is no. where Maxentius ends in the river and his peas slowly float away. Oh. That's all he wanted. Or he just, just peed himself in the river. Hey. Yeah. So, Constantine wins. He's now got most of the West. While all this is going on, Constantine reaches out to Licinius all the way around. We're not really sure. And the two of them form an alliance. Nice. This pays off for Constantine when Licinius defeats Dyer. Good. Constantine keeps the West. Licinius gets the East. And then starts the next part of the Civil War. Because obviously <laughs> these two can't go, yay, we won, let's share things equally. No. no. This Civil War between the two lasts a number of years. Fighting is mostly at the start and at the end. Bit of peace in the middle, summarising that section. <laughs> in the meantime, Constantine has three more sons. He's got Crispus, who's getting on there. Mm -hmm. But then he has Constantine II, Constantius II, and Constans. Eventually, after many battles, which were largely inconclusive, if you remember this is when night kept falling and oh, yeah. they had to call off the battle <clears> for weather reasons etc it's all the late starts as well so yeah. they wanted to be up by 7 in the morning to start but they ended up getting up at 12 and breakfast yeah, yeah. Like, well, don't want to find an empty stomach yeah then they need to do some stretches and warm ups you could hurt yourself if you just well, yeah, exactly. jump into a battle yeah, exactly so. then you know by the time it's 6 o'clock in the evening ah tomorrow yeah it just kept happening over and over again Eventually, however, Licinius is defeated. Constantine becomes the sole ruler of the empire. Ooh. He starts making many reforms, mostly pushing Christianity, and the building of New Rome, which soon develops a nickname Constantine City or Constantinople. <gasps> I know. Shock. Your links. After a couple of years of this, Constantine executes his son and then his wife. Oh, this is where he goes a bit angry, doesn't he? Rumours are they're having an affair. So oh, his wife and his kills son. them both. Yes. Okay. He executes Crispus, and a few months later, his wife is murdered in a hot bath. Ah. We speculate that Constantius and Constans and Constantine too were right in the thick of that, <laughs> holding the towels. <laughs> so Constantine then heads off to the Danube and settles things there, rebuilding Trajan's Bridge while he's at it. The Danube is more stable than it's been for a very long time. While settling this region, he writes a little note to Sharpor too, announcing that all the Christians in Sharpor's kingdom were now Roman subjects. However, before the war could start, Constantine becomes ill. He was baptised just before his death, as was common back then, and then he dies. Aww. People look at his will and let out a huge collective groan when they realise his succession plan is to split the empire between his three sons and two nephews. Excellent. Five-way split. <laughs> yes. So there you go. That is Constantine the Great. Biggest factor of his rule is the fact that he turns the empire Christian. Mm. Not immediately, and it is a much slower transition than perhaps some people realise, but Constantine is definitely the linchpin. It revolves around him. Yeah. But he did other things as well. He won his civil war. He created 
a stable enough of an empire yeah. after the chaos of the Tetrarchic yeah. Wars. He had the cojones as well to, you know, say to Sharpor too, hey, yeah, yeah, coming after you. I mean, maybe. you could argue that was very silly, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he had the cojones to do he it. He did. That tip of yours that's really, really coming along. Ah, si. <laughs> si, senor. <laughs> So, Fightius Maximus, 15, the Probium Crasium, 11, Successus Ultimus, 19. Wow. Very impressive. Imago Facius, 3, Tempo Completo, 31 years. Wow. Very, very impressive there. Giving him a total score of 51.88, which puts him second place in our overall ranking. Because he did a lot of fighting, Mm. he was a bit crazy and angry. (laughs) Yeah. And he was hugely successful. Yeah. He's not only doing quite well in all rounds, he did really rather well in all rounds. He's an all-rounder, you he could He really say. is an all-rounder. But does that automatically put him through? Because next we've got our lowest scorer of this round. Gladiators! Born around 218, we're smack-bang in the crisis with this. He was the son of Valerian, who we have oh. looked at recently, son of the Hat Stand. We know next to nothing of his early life, but we do know that he was married and had three sons at some point. We assume that he was with his father up near the Rhine when the rest of the empire was going through the emperors. If you remember, Gallus had asked for help when Aemilianus usurped, and Valerian slowly heads down south in time to depose Aemilianus and become emperor himself. Valerian soon realises that there is just too much for one person to deal with, so he promotes Gallianus as his co-emperor. Okay. Father and son team. The Alamanni, the Macromanni, and the Goths were all overrunning the Danube area this time. Saxons and Franks were starting to cause trouble in the Rhine region. Gallienus realises that he has very little time to start to sort this out, so he heads north immediately. What kind of trouble do you think they're causing? He's like graffitiing the trees, like putting little rude symbols on and stuff for. Following old ladies and making squelching noises every time they step, so the old ladies think they've got something in their shoes. Well, that's just cruel. It's really mean. It's really mean. That's what they used Especially to do. Especially with the whole army doing it in the unit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're putting your foot in an ocean every time you step down. <laughs> After a few weeks, you see her scooting a boat down the road. She's that paranoid. She's very confused. Yeah. yeah. Poor Ethel. Gallienus realises this needs to be sorted out. It's just not on. Anyway, so Gallienus heads up north. He did well enough that he was awarded the title Restorer of the Western World. That's pretty impressive title. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing that Ethel gave him that title. <laughs> I made certificate. Yes. This is for you. <laughs> Thank you, young man. I knew it wasn't that wet. I knew something was up. She turns and leaves. Scratch, scratch. <laughs> Gallienus can't help himself. <laughs> However, Gallienus, despite earning this certificate, soon realises that there's a problem. Every time he left the Danube, the Rhine would spring a barbarian leak. Would it? Yeah. And every time he went to plug that leak in the Rhine, the Danube caused problems. So in an attempt to install some more discipline for the troops and fear in the barbarians, he decides to promote his eldest son to be co-emperor. This is Valerian II. Oh, okay. Who did not get his own episode, for reasons you'll see in a moment. Due to his son's age, he put a trusted general in Genus in charge of the area that his son was nominally in charge of. Genus soon kills Galerius's son and declares himself emperor. Okay. Valerian was struggling in the east at this point, and Ingenus clearly saw his opportunity, so Galerius immediately heads off to get revenge. 
to avenge his own son's death. I shall have my revenge. Yeah. So he left one of his other sons in the care of another trusted general okay. named Posthumus. Oh, okay. And sets off to get revenge. Really? Galerius was able to meet and defeat Ingenus. Good. That is good, isn't it? However, he could not rest because a massive Frankish invasion had just started from the Rhine, so he rushed back there. He managed to defeat almost all of them and was just chasing down the last of the Frankish troops when Roger turns up to say that the Alamanni had invaded Italy and were all heading to Rome. Oh dear. Yeah. So Gallienus was then forced to let the remaining Franks go and he rushed into Italy. By the time Gallienus arrived, the Alamanni had had their fill of looting and were heading back north. They were just reaching Milan when they walked into a very angry emperor. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, this stuff? No. What, what have you done? Put that back. <laughs> um, all of you. <laughs> that didn't work. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> The Alamanni, realising that they vastly outnumbered the Roman troops, were happy to give battle. Gallienus, despite the odds, was able to destroy the Alamanni. I like the word destroy. Oh yeah, knocking them out for over a decade, which in this period was a long time. (laughs) Gallienus is then able to take half a breath at this point, as he realised that one of the problems Rome faced recently was the senatorial class, assuming that they were all natural military geniuses. Well, it's in their breeding. Well, exactly. Gallienus decided that senators were no longer allowed in the army. If you wanted to lead the troops, you had to actually have this thing called experience and military (laughs) skill. What? I know, outrageous. (sighs) This hugely upset the Senate. But Gallienus has no time to dwell on this because Roger was back. A general had usurped in the Danube. Another general had usurped in the Rhine. The one on the Rhine was Posthumus, the man who had his second son. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and his father had been captured, so a general had usurped in the east as well. They need to choose better generals, don't they? <laughs> they do. Gallienus decides to go for the Danube to begin with, to deal with that general. However, a new invasion of barbarians had swept through the area. Yay! Usually terrible news, but this band of barbarians had swept right through one of the usurping generals, killing him. Brilliant. Yes. Gallienus was saved one job, but he did now have to push back the invasion, which he did. He then sent a trusted man to the east to deal with the general usurping there, who was partly successful, killing the usurper, but not his son. So there's still a bit of a problem over there. At this point, Roger turns up to say Egypt has revolted. (laughs) I think Gallienus... I've probably said this before, actually. (laughs) Every time he sees Roger, he's going, oh my goodness. Well, if I remember correctly, this is the episode that Roger first arrives. Oh, is it? Is it? I don't think we'd mentioned Roger before this. Oh, brilliant. It was the sheer quantity of times that someone turned up to tell Gallienus more bad news. (laughs) Because it just keeps happening. (laughs) So Gallienus sends a man down to deal with Egypt. As he was busy heading to Gaul, as news had also come at the same time that his second son had been killed. Oh, dear. On the journey, he writes to a man in the east that he hoped would be able to help... Odenathus. Oh, the rich guy. Yeah, the the guy who creates the Panama yeah. Empire, yes. And he's yeah. just an absolute bad bottom. Yes, he was. Gallienus's hope is that Odenathus would be able to hold the east for him while he was busy. And this works. It's mm. quite good. By the time Gallienus reaches Gaul, Posthumus has taken several cities. Gallienus readies for war. Then the Macromanni invade. 
Gallienus sends his most trusted general to go and deal with them while he chases down Posthumus. But it's during this time, during one of the battles, he is hit by an arrow. Ooh. Where? Gaul. Okay. Yeah. Right in the centre. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> right in the Paris. <laughs> Except his Leon going <laughs> Yeah. Painful stuff. He was forced forced to retreat back into Italy to recover. Posthumus then declares a new empire, which is now known as the Gallic Empire. Nope, not happening. This is him losing the second third of the empire. Because technically, when he said to Odinathus, can you look after the east, he kind of loses that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point... The Goths invade. Yay! <laughs> Gallienus left his most trusted general to track down Posthumus. He realises the Goths is more important at this point. So he heads off to the Danube region and spends a few years fighting them, whilst the Goths ran up and down Greece, sacking Athens and Sparta. Way. News then comes through that Odenophis is dead. Oh. Yeah. Also, his most trusted general has defected to Posthumus <laughs> and had taken... Gallienus's headquarters in Milan. Uh. So Gallienus heads back to Milan, defeats his general, but the general escapes. Gallienus is then forced to siege his own headquarters. <laughs> At least he knows a secret entrance. <laughs> One night, a man rushed into his tent to let the emperor know that the traitor general was making a final attack and was on his way to the camp with the rest of his men. Gallienus rushes out of the tent, jumps on his horse, shouts for his guards to follow. However, it was all a ruse. Once the emperor was on his horse, a man plunges a sword into him. He dies. Where? Uh, Near Milan. Okay. Got hit right in the Po Valley. Oh, that's (laughs) going to leave a mark. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, that's Gallienus. I must admit, I think he is my favourite of all the emperors that... I wasn't sure about. Yeah, he's. I, I, I think we gave the genesis just because he was fighting everyone. He's doing really well with it. Well, he never just loses overwhel- a battle. No, he's just overwhelming odds. He lost two thirds of the empire, which is a shame. Yeah. He is reigning when Rome hits a rock bottom in the crisis. But mm. wow, did he pull up a fight? It's like playing capture the flag, where you've got the flag and then everyone's attacking you. Yeah. And you it really is. Now, you could argue that without Gallienus, the Roman Empire would have ended here. He was clearly very capable, but still struggled to keep a hold of things. Can you imagine mm. how bad it would have been if an incompetent leader was in charge at this time? That's true. Everything would have fallen apart. One sentence summary for him. I might need to take a deep breath here. He put down two invasions, then a usurpation, then another invasion, then an invasion into Italy, then he defeated another invasion whilst dealing with a second usurpation, while at the same time delegating his generals to put down two more usurpations. But then he is called away due to yet another usurpation, which was interrupted by another invasion, which he beat back, but at the expense of not dealing with the aforementioned usurpation. And then another invasion happened, which he fought back until it was interrupted by another usurpation, which he defeated, but he was then assassinated. What was after the first usurpation? <laughs> Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just ridiculous. Wow, it's yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. invasion after invasion after invasion yeah. and usurpation after usurpation. It's just ridiculous. And he got hit with an arrow. And he reigned for 15 years, which wow. is, in, in the crisis period, is a lifetime. Yeah. 
I, it's just, it's a great story. Mm. It's honestly it one is. of my favourites. Fightius Maximus 18, he is one of our fightiest Ooh. emperors. Yeah. Got in the top five, if I remember correctly. Approbium Crazium, nothing that we could see. He seemed very sane, probably a bit depressed. So <laughs> <laughs> not again? Successus Ultimus, we could only give him five. I mean, he's... We lost the empire. <laughs> he, he lost two-thirds of the empire, but, I mean, he, he tried so hard. <laughs> Imagofacius, four. He impressed us mm. with his looks. Tempo Completo, a very respectable 15 years, gives him a disappointing score of 28.88. Yeah. But he definitely got Gene Caesar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's Gallienus. Mm. Born in around 53, he was the son of a man who served Vespasian, who we'll be dealing with in a moment, who was born in Spain. Something that was fairly unusual back then, to have an emperor not born in Italy. Um, so it's often commented upon. Si, senor. He joined the army. And he rose through, through the, the ranks. ranks, but he was one of the first to do so. <laughs> oh, he set the trend then. Oh, yes, he did. In 76-77, his father was the governor of Syria. Trajan was a military tribune there, and he first saw battle from a distance. Yeah. Oh, it's fighting. Mm. <laughs> Looks fun. Mike, try my hand at that at some point, he thought. He was then transferred to the Rhine, where he continued his tribuneship. Again, he saw battle. <laughs> or fighting. <laughs> Maybe the same battle, he's just on the other side. <laughs> Whole new perspective. <laughs> <laughs> then, in around 86, his cousin died, leaving his children, Hadrian and Paulia. Yes. Hadrian's his son? No, his adopted son. Oh, I Yes, know. yeah. In 89, there was a revolt against Domitian. Trajan was in Spain at the time, so he quickly moved to put the revolt down, but it was all over by the time he got there. <laughs> Too late, sorry. Yeah. But, it, but it's the thought that counts. Yeah. He tried to help out. Then, <laughs> in nine... Domitian's just saying, you took the long way. <laughs> you went via the Alps. <laughs> where, where is this South Africa? <laughs> why, did, why did you go there? <laughs> In 91, he became the Ordinary Consul, if you remember, that's Consul at the start of the year, and the year's named oh, after yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. So he becomes Consul very high honour. This is mainly due to his father's name, of course. He's not made a name for himself just yet. His father, at the same time, was made Patrician, so uh, the Trajans doing all right for themselves. Around this time, he marries. Then he becomes Governor of Pannonia, or Germania Superior, or both. We don't really know. But either way, he sees some more action at this point. More fighting happens. Then when he is on the Rhine frontier, news comes through that Domitian was dead. Ooh, flies have got to him. Yes. Before anything can be done, news then arrives that Nerva was emperor. One of two things then happen. The official line is that Trajan sat back and did nothing. He became friends with the governor of Germania Inferior, a man named Sora. They won a skirmish against some barbarians and sent word off to Nerva. Yeah. We've won some battles for you, Nerva. Nice to know you're emperor. Congratulations. Then Hadrian comes along, his adopted son, announcing that to Trajan's huge surprise that Nerva had chosen Trajan as his heir. Trajan reluctantly accepts the job. You insist. So that, that's officially what happens. Nerva made a wise choice. Yeah. Everyone really wanted Trajan in charge, so Nerva said, yeah, he can be my heir. Or Trajan hears that Nerva is the emperor. He and Sura hatch a plot and begin to ready the forces to march on Rome. Mm -hmm. Message is then sent to Nerva, giving him a choice. Accept defeat gracefully, adopt me, ensuring that history remembers you as a wise man. Or you can fight and lose and be remembered as a loser. Nerva gives in. Yeah. 
We don't know which. I personally like the coup that was so well done, it's barely remembered as a coup version, because the normal one is that Nerva just adopts him. Yeah. But I, I, I think Trajan maybe was a bit crafty here. I like this little, yeah. I like this little one. Yeah, so what can I say with that? I think we weren't that originally, we must have done. Oh, I'm sure we went for that yeah. originally, yeah. Either way, though, Trajan becomes heir, Nerva dies shortly afterwards. Trajan is now the emperor. Yay. First thing he does, he sends for the Praetorian guards who had taken the palace under Nerva. You remember they uh, sieged the palace by turning around. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He wants them for a special mission. Yeah. Operation Suicide. <laughs> oh, sounds interesting. <laughs> yes, as soon as they arrive, he kills all of them. He replaces the prefect, and he gives the man a sword, saying, Take this sword in order that, if I rule well, you may use it for me, but if ill, use against me. And I think we said at the time, that takes balls. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> Very impressive. Trajan does not return to Rome straight away. Instead, he took a tour of the Rhine and the Danube frontier. He does eventually return to Rome. He arrives at the city on foot, and he talked to those who passed. And when he arrived at the Senate, he was courteous and polite. Ooh. The Senate not happy, remember. Nerva was one of their men. Trajan's a soldier. Come in, taken over. They're not too pleased. No. However, Trajan gives them lots of money, <laughs> and lots of money to the people, and lots of celebrations take place, and eventually he wins everyone around with his charm and money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a rude, arrogant son of a... Oh, a, a lovely man. Interesting. So yes. courteous. Although he does cut the troops' pay mm. by quite a significant amount, but he gets away with it because he's so loved by the forces which is interesting. Hmm. Trajan further gets the Senate on side by not adopting Domitian's practice of only using equestrians for important roles. So he's uh, getting everyone on side. In May 101, he invades Dacia, and he wins. It was added to the Empire under a client king, Decebalus. Oh. It's Brian Blessed. Yes. Hello! <laughs> That's gonna wake someone up. <laughs> He was not happy to just play client king, however, and starts to build up some more troops. Using some of Roman's runaways, he attempts to assassinate Trajan, but the plan fails. Then in 105, Trajan went to the Senate and asked permission to invade Dacia again. That's such a snazzy thing oh, to do. Oh, it is, isn't it? With your yeah. permission and your wisdom, please, please, may I do this? Yeah. Senate by this point love him. They're, they're, <laughs> they're completely run over. Yeah. Trajan needs a way for his army to quickly cross the river when he arrives at the Danube, so he does the only sensible thing. He builds the largest bridge the world has ever seen. Massive. Massive bridge. And Trajan wins. After Ooh. all, he's got a massive bridge. Brian Blessed commits suicide, which is oh. a shame. His head was returned to Rome and taken to the top of the Stairs of Death. You remember those? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was flung down the stairs to go mm. and rest with Sejanus and Vitellius. Flop, crunch, flop. Yeah. Squelch. Once home, Trajan orders games to celebrate Roman victory. The games last for 123 days. Yeah, 11,000 animals take part, 10,000 oh. gladiators. When you said animals take part... They died. Yes. They all died horribly. Mm. Trajan then spends seven years building up the infrastructure of Rome and Italy as a whole, also building many arches, buildings, and adding to the forum by building his own forum. <laughs> yeah. Trajan's forum, oh. the largest and most impressive of the forums, and right in the middle 
he put up his massive erection. Trajan's column. Oh, yeah. It's about the size of Trajan, isn't it? It really is. Biggest bridge, biggest forum, biggest column. Yeah. He also put into practice a child welfare programme, which is quite nice. The biggest and the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Using money from the Dacian War, Dacia happened to be full of gold mines, but that was nothing to do with why they invented. No, no. no they besmirched no. Rome and they yeah. ended up putting down. Honour, that was it. Honour yeah. and gold. So, yeah, they were able to pay for lots of really good things. Rome went through its literal golden age because of it. <laughs> In 113, however, Parthia put a king on the throne of Armenia that Rome did not like. Remember, at this point, Rome was meant to ratify any decision yeah. about Armenia, and the Parthians didn't wait for it. So Trajan decides to go and sort them out. On the way east, the Armenian king came to meet Trajan. The new king removed his crown and lay it at Trajan's feet, and this was supposed to be returned to show that Rome agreed with the king's appointment. Yeah. Trajan does nothing. He's just got a new crown. <laughs> and this is where... The king tries to run away. <laughs> good, oh, good, oh, good, oh, good, oh, good. But he was called back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> come here. The king angrily said that he'd only come of his own free will, expecting the Romes to ratify his position. Trajan replies that he would surrender Armenia to no one. Probably in that kind of, I surrender Armenia to no one. <gasps> <gasps> For it was now a Roman province. He uh, let the king go. Oh. The king, unfortunately, was putting his tent up one day with his sword. Oh, dear. Yeah, tragic. Oh. He was sent to Ravenna. Oh. <laughs> Quite a small and important town at this point. No one knew mm. why he was being sent to Ravenna. No. But he was. Armenia and some of Mesopotamia were now under Roman control. Trajan was, at this point, named Optimus. Transformer. The Senate, yes, because he was a transformer. Trajan winters in Antioch, and while he was there, there was a massive earthquake. Oh, so what size? Yeah. <laughs> and this <Biggest> earthquake, <laughs> huge. And I think we, we didn't dwell on this enough in Trajan's episode, if I remember correctly, because I didn't remember this happening until I looked at my notes again. One of the consuls died in this earthquake, and Trajan almost did himself. Really? He only lived because he dived out of a window to avoid being crushed. That's amazing! That is so cool. Why Why did we not dwell on this? <laughs> Glass window, even though it was... Yeah. Gambit yeah. rolling yeah. up in the air. Somehow no glass cuts on him after oh, no, no. he's rolled. Then no. he's on his knees, lifts his head, turns back and just sees a building collapse behind yeah. Stands up, brushes the dust off his shoulder. Goes. And it's the biggest collapsing building I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, he did that, which is just really cool. In 116, Trajan sets off again, heading deep into Parthian territory. He takes over a large section of the Parthian Empire, getting all the way to the Persian Gulf. He writes a letter to the Senate explaining what he'd done, saying, and I quote here, I should certainly have crossed over to the Indians if I was still young. So he, he was planning to go all the way to where Alexander the Great went, but he uh, realised it was a bit too old. Perhaps time to come home. The Senate at this point grant Trajan the right to celebrate as many triumphs as he wanted when he returned. <laughs> Yay! And the theory is that the Senate were just getting confused by the sheer number of victories and conquered peoples and the frequent letters he was sending. Yeah. So just went, you know what, Trajan, just, <laughs> just celebrate what you want. I sort of lost count, actually. I've <laughs> only posted now, isn't he? Honestly, feels like Roger's moved in. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving his own desk. <laughs> 
However, a revolt then springs up in Armenia and Mesopotamia. Trajan was forced to head back and deal with it without getting a full hold on Parthia. Trajan sent some forces to try and quell the revolt, and in the meantime, he defeated a Parthian army in the field and put a client king on the throne, giving up on the idea of it being a full province. It's not going to work right now. He then sets off to Syria. He stopped at the fortified town of Hatra, but he can't take it, unfortunately. And then Trajan becomes ill. He decides it's time to go back to Rome. Throughout the first half of 117, his health deteriorates, and before he reaches Italy, he dies suddenly from his illness. Oh. Hadrian is named his heir. Oh. Tell, tell it though, Trajan. He lived long and he prospered. Yes. He <laughs> and he did. looked like a Vulcan. He did, yeah. Largest the Empire ever gets. Oh, wow, really? Victory after victory. He is the only emperor to conquer the Parthians. There have been other victories against them, but no one does as well as Trajan. One sentence summary for him he becomes emperor, he fights, he wins. <laughs> It's as simple as that. Just massively. <laughs> Fightius Maximus, 19. Wow, yeah. Why, why not 20? Um, because he couldn't, couldn't quite, at the, yeah. quite at the end. He didn't. That's he's still quite harsh. Though, he's our it? second highest Fightius Maximus scorer. Only Aurelian beats him. Yeah. Opropium Crasium, nothing at all. Everything he did seemed completely sane. Successus Ultimus, 20. Imagofacius, 3.25, maybe because he looked like a Vulcan. And Tempo Completo, an impressive 19 years, giving him 2.38. Total score, 44.63, ranking him 7th overall. Mm. He's a good emperor. Oh, he is, isn't he? He's very good. So what, in, in, in the battle, seeing Trajan and Gallienus go at it, two fighters... I mean, that always win. It's just a very strong group, this, yeah, isn't it? it is. Really strong, and we're not finished yet, because we also have... Vespasian! Born on the 17th of November, year nine. Wow! Yeah, we're right near the start again now. In the last few years of Augustus's reign, he's the last emperor to have been alive during the reign of the first emperor. Mm. Wow. Vespasian didn't want to climb up the Cursus Honorum. Apparently, it was his mother badgering him. Remember, he had an elder brother who was doing really well, and his mother told him that he would become his brother's footman unless he agreed to follow in his brother's footsteps. She think he's done very unhanded, sort of passive aggressive. Oh, your brother's so good. He's doing so well for himself. He'll go, he will go really, <laughs> really far. Yes, mother. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Look at the present your brother got me. Yes, mother. Oh, he captured a whole new province for just me. Isn't that lovely? Yes, mother. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. In the late 20s, he served in the military for three years in Thrace. When he gets back in the 30s, he gets a position under Tiberius. He was in charge of keeping the streets clean. Oh, yeah. He kept them damn clean, that's for sure. It's around this time he gets married to Flavia Domitilla. Caligula, by this point, is in charge. Oh Vespasian manages to get elected as an aedile. He was restoring buildings, etc. Takes him a couple of attempts to get elected to this position, but he manages it. So he's got a fairly average political career at this point. At one point, Caligula is said to have scooped up some muck in the street and stuffed it down Vespasian's toga to indicate that he had not done his previous job properly. Everyone laughed really hard. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they did. In the year 41, he has a son named Titus. 
Well, nothing will come of him. No. He was then put in charge of a legion, which is nice. In 43, he takes part in the invasion of Britain under Claudius, leading his legion. So he does some fighting there. He's not in overall command or anything, but he, no. he's there and he's getting involved. Telling people what to do. Yeah. His legion, anyway. He manages to secure the south coast of Britain and invaded the Isle of Wight. Why? Don't know. Just really weird. I will sail past there in the summer. And it's not as big as I thought it was. <laughs> it's, it's only an island. It's I a know, little island. In my, in my head, when I, it's only when I was a child, I thought it was absolutely massive. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, in my little child, like, had half an hour to drive across the island. It's like, it's such a long time. Yeah, yeah. But actually going past on the boat, so it's like tiny. It's not very far from the coast as well. Was it definitely the Isle of Wight? Yes, it definitely was. Was it small dome-shaped, covered in sand with one palm tree in the middle? Yes. Yeah, that's the Isle yeah. of Wight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, he invaded that. He took part in 30 battles at this time, apparently. Winning, I assume, most of them, if not all of them. He certainly didn't die. On his return to Rome, he was given triumphal regalia. Ooh. Remember, only the emperors could get triumphs. So Ooh. if you did really well, you were just given the triumph t-shirt. And he won one. That's nice. Yay. In year 51, his wife has a son called Domitian. Aww. And Vespasian becomes consul at the age of 42. And after this, he retired. At some point, his wife died. Aww. Which is a shame. Then, about a decade later, he comes out of retirement. And he was sent by Nero to rule the African province. We know nothing of this time whatsoever. Big gap in our source. Apart from one thing, he was pouted with turnips. At some point. That's brilliant. And we don't even know why. We just know he was pouted with turnips. Actually, it's not even enough in the backstory to think of why that could have happened. I, I think it was um, actually quite a good thing. I think it was at, like a charity fundraiser. <laughs> Pin the turnip into Vespasian. Yeah, sort of throw turnips at the governor for... Uh... All right. Turnips are quite hard, though. Yeah, that's... They're like white carrots, aren't they? <laughs> they are quite hard, but... They didn't have sponges back then, so... <laughs> oh, no, they did, because they used... Oh, yeah, Caesar oh. Yeah. oh, no, you don't want to use the Roman sponges. Mate. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you can get sea sponges, though, and like, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. pull them out, let them scream, and let them dry yeah. out and throw them. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, he did something in Africa. We just don't know what. We do know, however, he made no money from the province, which is what most people did from the provinces. At this point, he develops the nickname the Muleteer because he had to make money selling mules. That's a terrible nickname. It's awful, isn't it? He returns to Rome just in time to be dragged along on Nero's tour of Greece. Oh dear. This is where Nero went and won all the games because yeah. he was just the best at everything, honest. Yeah, of course. Yeah. One day he falls asleep during one of Nero's many recitals. Oh dear. This does not go down well with Nero at all. Vespasian was cut out of the inner circle. He fears for his life. And he wow. asks a member of Nero's court where he should go. If you remember, the man sneered at him and said, go to Morbovia, which was a made-up place. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you remember when he becomes emperor, he then calls that man up. But lets him go. Yeah. Yeah. So, Vespasian goes into hiding. However, in year 66, the Great Jewish Revolt starts, and Nero needed a strong commander to send over and squash it. And despite being in Nero's bad books, Vespasian is chosen to go. So he sets off with his eldest son, Titus, on a couple of Vespers across the desert. I remember this. The red, green, and white one. <clears throat> yes. He is now the governor of Judea. As soon as Vespasian heard that Nero was dead, however, he halted the campaign against the Jewish population. He was doing very well over there. Yeah. He then sent Titus to try and woo Galba. 
in order to secure his position. On the way, however, Titus hears that Galba was already dead, and Vitellius and Otho were battling, so he decides to head back to his father rather than be dragged into the civil war. Vespasian turns to the other governors in the east, the governor of Syria and the governor of Egypt, and they all decide to declare for Otho. Sounds like a good choice. Mm. However, they didn't send any troops. They just supported Otho <laughs> from afar and played the waiting game. Yeah. They soon hear that Vitellius had won. Oh, dear. So the three governors declare support for Vitellius. Of course. <laughs> so we wanted to win all along. Yeah. Yes. The three of them obviously were playing for time here because by this point they have decided that Vespasian was going to declare himself. However, one of the governors loses patience with how slow this plan's going and declares Vespasian as emperor. And the first thing Vespasian knows about it is when he leaves his tent and his own soldiers salute him as emperor. Oh, how shocking. <laughs> so, time to go for it. Let's do this. Vespasian sends one of the governors ahead to lead the attack. The plan is to pick up the troops belonging to Otho in the Baltic region and go and track down Vitellius. However, those troops had already jumped the gun and invaded Italy. Vitellius was already dead. So yeah. was Vespasian's brother in Rome. Oh, I remember Vitellius' death, the hook. Oh, yes. Dragged by a hook. Down the stairs of death. Oh. Yes. Some senators are killed in Rome. Domitian was given a limited command and the city starts to settle. Eventually, Vespasian arrives in the year 70. The civil war, the year of the four emperors, is over. Peace returns. Vespasian then looks in the treasury and realises that after Nero and a civil war, there's no money whatsoever. He declared that he needed 40,000 million sesterces. That's a lot. That's a lot. So he That's starts... Four billion. He starts to tax everything. Oh dear. But he gets away with it because he was very obviously spending all the money on the city. He doesn't hoard any of this. Publicly spent. Transparency. Uh, yes. It's nice when he gets one in charge of transparency, isn't Yes, it? it is. Yeah, he definitely released his tax returns. So everyone was happy. Yeah. Yeah. The Jewish revolt was still going on, so Vespasian orders his son to return and finish the job there, which Titus happily does. There were a couple of uprisings in Gaul, led by a man claiming to be Julius Caesar's descendant, but this was quickly put down. Vespasian then dismantles Nero's golden palace and gives the land back to the public, and in place of where the entrance lake was for the golden palace, he builds a massive amphitheater, the Colosseum. He then spends ten years doing not much but ruling very effectively. How boring. It's incredibly boring, but... To have lived there, it must have been yeah. brilliant. Golden age. Not much happened. He does tax going to the toilet at this point, though, which probably infuriated everyone. Yes, Titus at one point manages that it's not really on taxing people to go to the toilet. And Vespasian replied that money does not stink. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So there you go. In 79, age 69, he developed an illness and suffered from severe diarrhoea. Ironic. Yeah, do you think he had to pay first? <laughs> well, that's over triple what everyone else is doing. So. <laughs> he sensed death was near, and he joked, Dear me, I think I'm becoming a god. Oh. And there you go, he dies. He was well known for his fair rule and sense of humour. He was an all-round good egg of a guy. He scored 18 for Phytius Maximus. Yeah. Because although in this summary I didn't talk about it much, he did do a lot of fighting in the East. Oprobium Crasium, he only scored one. I can't remember what that was for. Successus Ultimus had a very healthy 19. Yeah. 
Imagofacious 4, Tempo Completo, uh, nine and a half years, not brilliant, 1.19, giving him a score 43.19, ranking ninth overall. Not bad. Also very impressive. Mm. There we go, that's our four for today. And wow, is that hard to pick from. I think this is the first time where I really don't know. I mean, we've got Constantine the Great, mm. who is... He, he's world-changing. He's world-changing. He ranks second overall. He just did so... What he did had such a large impact. Yeah. But you could argue, eh, he won a civil war that wasn't actually that hard to win. Beating Maxentius wasn't difficult. And defeating Licinius. Licinius wasn't amazing. And even then he struggled to defeat Licinius. He had a massive statue. Seen the he did have massive a massive head. statue. Um, so, I mean, he did found Constantinople, though, which is huge. That's true. If you'd like to draw a certain line between Roman and Byzantine history, it's a very strong argument to say Constantine is the first Byzantine emperor. Mm. There's a lot of pros for Constantine, obviously, but also some negatives. Gallienus, our least high-scoring by far, but what a story. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just kept fighting and fighting. He would not he give up. It's no, like a dog got, with a bone. Yeah, he just got swarmed yeah. at the end. Trajan, well, I mean, come on. He oh. was called greatest and best. Yeah, he expanded the empire more than he's ever been expanded. Yeah, future emperors were sworn in saying, may you be luckier than Augustus and greater than Trajan. Yeah. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And Vespasian, just an incredibly good, decent, sane, sensible ruler who put down a civil war. This is really hard. This one is very hard. This is by far the hardest so far. Right, I think we need to be cutthroat. There's one that... Okay, should we both pick one we think should definitely go through? Because they might be the same, which makes it a little bit easier. We might both pick different ones, and it we that that would then call it out, right? As long as we agree with each other. Go on, who do you think should definitely go through? Trajan. Yes. I agree. I think Trajan needs to go through the greatest extent of the Empire. Um, I think one not to go through... Hmm... Vespasian. Ooh. I'll tell you why. Go on, man. The story gets a bit boring. There is that ten years of not doing much. It's not just that. It just He just did lots of good, nice things. It's like, he scored well. He's great, but... Meh. I just criticised Constantine's Civil War winning as not being that great when you look at it. Mm. Well, let's look at Vespasian's. He hung back until Ofo's army got revenge on Vitellius. Mm-hmm. And then walked in at the end. Mm. Strolled in, picked up the pieces. Well, yeah, he didn't really win the year of the Six Emperors. Well, he won it, but it wasn't after a big battle. But then saying that, he did do very well in the Jewish Revolt. But then it was Titus who finished it. That's my gut feeling. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. You can agree? I hate to do because I think he's great. He's got seriously unlucky falling into this group. If that happens, though, that means Gallienus and Trajan... No means we need to decide between oh, yes. Gallienus and Constantine. But we definitely put Vespasian at the back. Yeah. Okay, right. So it's now down to Constantine and Gallienus. We have on one side someone who has a very interesting story and was hugely successful and has a massive impact on history. Mm. And then we have Gallienus, who does not have a massive impact on history. But he's very was lucky. not hugely successful. But I'd argue has a far more interesting story. That's a very interesting story. 
I like Gallienus' story more than Constantine's. I think it's more interesting. Oh, it definitely is. But I don't feel he'll hold up to any of the next round. That's trouble. He'd be wiped out. Constantine yeah. has a chance of standing up. So Gallienus would have gone through every other round so far, I think. Yeah. Oh, easily. I really think he's got unlucky here. Because I, I would have put him above many that we've yes. put through so far. I really like Gallienus. But I think you're right. Constantine's got to have it, hasn't he? Yeah. So, that's our list. Mm. Constantine and Trajan, we'll see you in the Colosseum. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, I'm sorry, Gallienus and Vespasian. They, they did really well, though. They did do really well. Even though they're actually slaughtered, it's... Yeah. Slaughtered with pride. Yeah. They can be slaughtered with a smile on their face. Yes, they can. Knowing they did really well. They did do really well. It's taking part with cats. <laughs> Apart from the winning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Well done to Trajan and Constantine the Great. Which, um, I don't know, I imagine if you looked at that list to begin with, they're the two that many would have predicted. But yeah. I, it was closer than I'd say it could have been. So we have our winners. So that just takes us to the end, where we have a couple of thank yous to say. Um, Podbean have changed the way that you can see who our Senate members are. Mm. So um, I'm not entirely sure if I got everyone who was new. So if I've missed you out, I'm very sorry. But thank you to Lynn T. Oh, no, we've said Lynn T before because she reminded me of a T. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lynn T, anyway. Um, C. Freeman. Thank you. Thank you. Rick Wiley, 98. Thank you. Vagdad? Vagdage? I apologise for butchering your name. Um, V-A-J-D-A-I-J. Thank you very much for your contribution. Lisa Lawless. Oh, no, I remember saying your name before, but thank you very much anyway. Funky Caravan. Don't remember saying that. That's a great name. That's a good one. Thank you. And that's everyone to thank this week. Thank you so Mm. much for um, joining us. And you have access to our Senate-only episodes on Julius Caesar, Sulla, Marius, the Gracchi brothers, and Drusus. And very soon... Anthony and Cleopatra as well. I think we're going to record that over the Christmas period. It will be released around then at some point. That's a nice Christmas present. Yes, it will. Yeah, I think we'll do next week around six. Yeah. And then we'll focus on the Republic. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Spend a day on it. Yeah. Watch a few films. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Don't forget, you can follow us. We've got a Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter as well and Instagram, but there's don't bother. You can download us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher as well. Yes, and please, please leave a review if you don't mind. Yep. The reviews are incredibly helpful to us. They are good. They help They help our standing in the podcast community as well. Yes, I mean, we are looked down upon quite regularly by yes. more established podcasts. And, but, uh, and historians and our family. And everyone who's ever met us. So if you could uh, make us feel better about ourselves, that mm. would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're Rob and Jamie. We're coming at you from the City of Culture 2021. <laughs> Do you think we could uh, apply for some funding? Out of a billion pounds? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, Coventry are getting loads of money. I think so. Yeah, I'll tell you what, away. tell you what, if you listen to this, tweet or message the City of Culture people and say that we single-handedly <laughs> helped yeah. to get the bid. Yeah, I mean, they don't realise that, but we definitely do. No, yeah, it's more of a subconscious thing. Yeah, subtle. Very, very subtle. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, until next time. Manusa! Good God almighty. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Cyril, are you, are you okay? Look, look, very sad. Yeah, as well, if you remember, I wasn't feeling too well last week. Yes, I remember. Did you visit the, uh, the, the doctors? Yes, I have only got one week to live. Dear, what? What? Yes, uh, severe cold, terminal. Oh my goodness, you have man flu. Yes, it's terrible. Now, I'm taking it in my stride, you know. Well, of course. Had a good innings. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, can't complain, mustn't grumble, etc., etc. Of course not. And luckily your wife has left well, with your yes. children, so... I've already hit rock bottom, so... You can't go lower. Well, I mean, you can. I could die, and I will. Uh, but still, eh? Every cloud... Apart from yours? Yes, mine's still just darkness. That's true. That's where I'm heading. Still! We're here to entertain, aren't we? Well, yes, I suppose. I mean, There's yes. always something to laugh about. Exactly. Have you decided on burial or cremation? No, I've, uh, I'm donating the body to science. Ah, wonderful! Yes. Um, oh. They're going to see how far it is possible to fling a cadaver using a catapult. That sounds mighty fun. Yes, so I, there you go. Yes, I'm going to aim at the wife's new place. I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> I will. I will have my revenge in uh, this life or the next. Wonderful. I'll, yes. I'll make sure that happens. Ah, good chap, old boy. Anyway, shall we, shall we get on with this? Yes, well, a contract's a contract. Can't stop sure. now. Let's make a start, shall we? We shall indeed. Yeah. And welcome to the Coliseum this week around the... My name is Chad. I'm Hickory. And we're here tonight for our wildcard match. It is a Japanese death match. I have literally no idea what that is, Chad. Oh my God, it is awful. So, you know how normally they put a rope around the inside of the Coliseum? I, I sure do. So when the, the, the fighters, they can bounce into it and run a bit faster. I love that part. Well, they've exchanged that enough for rope, it's now barbed wire. <laughs> Surely that's illegal, Chad. And that's the exact reason why we're not televising this event. <laughs> you know when the barbed wire is like held into the corner on those big poles sticking out the ground? I can see it. Well, when a competitor falls into them, they explode. That's amazing! And there's a time limit on this match as well. I'm loving this. If we don't have two winners by the end of it, the Coliseum will explode. Well, us in it? Damn straight! I've only got one week to live anyway, so let's do this! Damn! And here they come, I look at them strutting out there. Oh, there's Constantine with his massive, massive head, closely followed by Gallienus. Gally Anus is a firm favorite of mine, I must say. Firm favorite? Oh, he's a firm favorite of mine as well. He does nothing but fight him. And right behind him, Trajan. Trajan? What a guy. He loves to live long and he loves to prosper. That's for damn sure. And who's the final contestant today, Chad? Last but not least, he's bald-headed and he's old. He is Vespasian. I love that guy. He's so funny. He's got a good sense of humor, although no bathroom breaks. And they're starting, I can see. They've, they're in the middle of the Coliseum. They're staring each other out. And oh my God, Galliers and Trajan, they're running at each other. They're fighting, they're fisting in their faces. They're fighting, they're fighting. Oh, a needle of groin. Trajan's just slamming him in that temple. Oh, pounding him over and over again. And Trajan's picking Galliers up, and he's just beating out of roughly. Oh, and Vespasian's walking over to Constantine. What's happening there, Hick? He's poked him in the eye. Right in the eye, my God. Poked him in the eye, that's gotta be an illegal move. So, oh, he's actually pulled out his eye. Good God. 
Oh, it's all got drippy bits hanging off it. Ugh, oh, rough. but look at this. Look how great Constantine is. He's taking it in the stride. He's he's popped it back in. He just wages the crowd. My God. He's paced by nothing in this man. Oh, look at Trajan. He's walking over to the wire. He's walking to the wire. Gallienus is above his head. He's picking him up. He's dropped him on the board wire. Oh, my God. He just split him in half like a cheese cutter. That is utterly horrendous. Look at his intestines all over the floor. Oh my God, Trajan slipped in them. Oh, he's on the floor. I don't believe it, Gallienus ain't dead. He's not dead, he's crawling towards Trajan. He's, this is like someone from the Terminator films. He's not giving up. He's not giving he's up at all. He's gonna know when he's down, surely. He's not. Oh, Trajan's stabbing on his head. He's stabbing on his face. Oh, he's gotta be dead now, his face is mush. He's still moving! How is that possible? His head is crawling forward. He's grabbing at his shoe. What's Trajan gonna do, Hick? Trajan's looking scared. He's trying to actually back away. Oh, he's picked up a hammer. What's he doing with that? That's not a hammer. That's sort of cylindrical shaped. That's a column. It's a massive, massive column. Look at the size of that column, Jets. Look at the engravings. He's smashing the hand. The hand has been smashed. It's just one finger twitching now. He's got to be dead soon. Trajan's bending over. He's got the finger in his hand. He's throwing it into the Oh, it's exploded. That's it. I think we can now say Gallienus is dead. He's dead over in a turkey on a Wednesday. And now we're facing back to Vespasian and Constantine. Vespasian's trying to lighten the mood. Is that is that a joke he's cracking? It's a very bad one. Constantine hasn't even cracked a smile. He is not amused whatsoever. Not at all. And oh, Vespasian just kicked him down below. Oh, that's gotta hurt, but here's Trajan. He's not busy anymore. He's hitting both of them with his column. That's obscene. By the way, you can also buy a figurine of Trajan's column in the shop. And Trajan's flinging his column right around. Oh, he's smashing Vespasian in the face, and Constantine's joining him. They're double teaming. He's... Oh, he's messing the column out of Trajan's hands! Good God! And, oh, now he's smashing Vespasian as well! Oh, poor Vespasian, he's not getting up out of this! Oh, he's not, he's, oh, his head's caved in! This is utterly brutal! You can I... see his brain pouring out on the floor! Why do they let people watch this, chat? I have no idea, but the kids are loving it! Oh, they are, they're screaming for more! And now they're both picking up the corpse of Vespasian and they're flinging it towards the razor wire! Oh, it's split into many pieces. Oh, look at that. This is gruesome. This is horrible. In fact, we got bloodstains on our little observation window here, Hick. Yeah, it's a good job we installed those wipers. Damn sure. I believe it's over. It's a... What's this? <gasps> is what? that EMT? That's Gallienus' personal doctor. Followed by four EMTs. They're going over to check Gallienus' wrist. That's all that's left of him. Literally, just a wrist on the floor. They're checking the pulse. He's alive! Good God, he's alive! There ain't no putting Gallienus down! You can see him beating! His heart... Well, no, his pulse is still beating! Is the referee gonna allow this? No, the referee's calling for the bell! He considers this over! There's no way Gallienus can continue to fight! This match is over! I must say, Chad, I'm gonna have nightmares after this one, but it was still damned entertaining. It was damn entertaining, that's for damn sure. And thank you for joining us today. And don't forget, we're sponsored by Snickers this week. And you can join us next week for our final of the rounds in round VI. Be there.
Goodbye. I, I, the images are sad on my retinas. It, it was awful. The I, barbarians. I thought the burning last week was the worst it would get, but... I know, but I got a massive urge for crackling after last week, but this week, I don't want, I don't want pulled pork. The wire's still dripping. I know, and the children, they're still eating popcorn. They're loving this. Who's, who's going to clean it up? That's what I want to know. They're just covered over with sand, I reckon. Yeah. Gosh. Well, there you go. To be honest, after watching this, it makes one rather thankful that the uh, warm embrace of death awaits. Yes. At least you would be rather peaceful. Yes, well, one can hope. Yes. Well, hopefully see you next week, old chap. Maybe for the last time. Yes. Anyway, sip up lip. Goodbye. Goodbye. Saxons and Franks were starting to cause noble. Noble? Cause... <laughs> Nobbles. Noble. <laughs> Don't know what that is. That's a noble.